following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Begin in verse 3, Ephesians chapter 1. After we're done with the morning service, to stay behind for just a quick meeting. And uh, so after we've dismissed for a quick meeting. Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. Ephesians chapter 1. And we'll begin in verse 3. Ephesians 1 beginning in verse 3. Here the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, according as, his, as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, <clears throat> uh, to the praise of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in uh, the beloved. My main text is verse 6, and these words, accepted, accepted in the beloved. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, as we come before you, I would ask for your help, your blessing on the preaching of thy word. I pray, God, that you'd help us, Father, Lord, to have a calm place to worship in this morning. I pray, God, that you'd put to silence some of the distractions, and God, help us to focus our heart's attention on the word of God and the things that you have for us. Father, thank you for this great truth. I pray that you'd work in every one of our hearts and I pray thy will be done to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, accepted in the beloved. Now here in our text, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Ephesian believers of the church, and particularly the great blessing of not only being accepted, but being accepted by God in the beloved. Now, someone once said one of the most common needs of most people is the need to be accepted by others. We see some of this going on even in our day again, where we, these areas, it can be seen in the areas of race, of sexuality, and of religion. So, that, so we want to consider more closely this idea of, or the issue of being accepted in the beloved. First of all, what is it to be accepted in the beloved? Now, someone once said here, <clears throat> You're not accepted by God because you deserve to be or because you have worked hard for him, but because Jesus died for you. So what is it then to be accepted in the beloved? It's to be accepted by God. As this phrase says here, to be accepted in the beloved is that the Lord has made us accepted or kindly received in the, in the beloved or among those greatly loved of God. What a blessing it is to have a sense that God loves us. In John 3.16, John 3.16, look with us there, one of the most famous verses in the Bible concerning love. And the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What a sense that God is, loves us. He loves the world in salvation and desires for them to be saved, and he proved his love when he sent his son to the cross of Calvary. John 15 and verse 13. John 15 and verse 13. Jesus said, This greater love 
hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We know that God's love is greater than man, and yet uh, the the greatest uh, uh, thought that a man might have in love to a friend is that he'd be willing to give his life. The story is told in, of, of World War II, during World War II, that a transport ship uh, was, uh, was a part of, made up of a part of a big flotilla of ships uh, heading to the battle, if you will. They were transporting hundreds and hundreds of soldiers on this transport ship. And at one point, the captain looked off to the side and he saw this white foamy thing coming toward him and he knew, he knew it was a torpedo and it was heading toward them, and there was nothing he could to stop it. And he grabbed hold of the mic, and he said to the, over the mic to the, those that are part of that, on that ship, he said, this is it, boys. And just as he was saying that, <clears throat> a man who was a, a, a part of, a, actually a commander of a small destroyer, one that was accompanying these ships, saw that same torpedo, and he said to uh, his, uh, his uh, crew, he said, full speed ahead. And they went, and they went full speed and took the torpedo. This is a true story. Took that torpedo to save the lives, the hundreds and hundreds of lives on that ship. And when that torpedo hit the destroyer, it destroyed it. It sunk. They sunk immediately, and all hands were lost on that ship. And the captain knew the captain of that destroyer, and he said this, he said, that was my best friend. That was my best friend. You know, folks, it was love and a concern for others that drove that man to sacrifice his ship and the lives on that ship for the many hundreds of lives that they would say, folks, God loved us in that same kind of way and yet greater. Look with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> accepted in the beloved. What a blessing to be accepted by God in the beloved, those loved of God. In Romans chapter 5, the Bible says, beginning in verse 6, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, that means us who are sinners in need of a Savior, were the enemies of God, we were reconciled to God, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. What a blessing, folks, that God's love is greater than the best that man can do. The man that died on the, as the commander of that destroyer died for a friend. Christ died on the cross of Calvary to make us his friends when we were, in fact, his enemies, as the Bible says, by wicked works. We know that love that God has for us is an everlasting love. And if you will, look with me to 1 John 1, excuse me, 1 John 3 and 1. 1 John 3 and 1. <clears throat> We're talking about being accepted in the, in the beloved. 1 John 3 and 1. <clears throat> Again, the Bible says, Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he, he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. We're speaking of, again, God's love, and it being a special love, a love that's hard to understand. It's hard to understand why God would die for any of us, knowing what we are, and yet God loved us, and he desired to make us accepted in the beloved by his love. Secondly, if you will, looking back to Ephesians chapter 1 this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, let us see the second thing. Ephesians chapter 1, and if you will, look at verse, verses 5 and 6. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The second thing we want to consider is not only what is, what is it to be accepted in the beloved, but secondly, how does one become accepted in the beloved? You know, many are taught that if you just do your best and you're, you're kind and loving to other people, well, that God will love you and accept you. And yet, that's not what the Bible teaches. As a matter of fact, we want to deal with two things this morning on how to answer the question, how does one become accepted in the beloved? If you will, verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. We find here, first of all, it's by adoption of the family of God. You know, <clears throat> I've never adopted children. There were times when we were raising our three children when we would have liked to have adopted them out. Amen, rather than keep them. <laughs> but uh, we got over that, got past that, we kept them, and now they're on their own. But uh, I don't know what it is to adopt someone, and yet oftentimes when we go to adopt someone, or what, what I've read about adoption is that uh, people choose to adopt young children, whatever. I think some would like to be adopted, and yet, folks, we, we, we go to them, we, we desire to love them and, and have them. And let me tell you something, God loved us when we weren't lovable. God came looking for us and said, you know what, I want you. And adoption has that kind of a spirit, a desire that says, I love you, I want you. Maybe even if you don't want me, we love them. You know, folks, God loved us. And we become accepted in the beloved family of God by adoption. Look with me to Jeremiah chapter 3. Jeremiah chapter 3. <clears throat> and let's begin in verse 17. Jeremiah 3 and verses 17 through 19. Jeremiah 3, 17 through 19. At that time they shall call Jerusalem the throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it, to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem, neither shall they walk any more after the imagination of their evil heart. In those days, the house of Judah, they shall come together <clears throat> out of the land of the north to the land that I have given for an inheritance unto your fathers. But I said, how shall I put thee among the children? 
and give thee a pleasant land and a goodly heritage of the host of the nations. And I said, Thou shalt call me my father and shall not turn away from me. He's talking about the future of Israel, the adoption of those who, the remnant of Israel who will be alive when Christ comes. But it's a special adoption. He loves them and will come for them. Look with me, if you will, to John 1, 11. John 1, 11. <clears throat> John 1, 11. Bible says here, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. You know, much of the world does not want Christ, and yet Christ came for them to save them, offer Himself for them in love, to make them His own. Bible says, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, born of God, if you will, but chosen of God, and we choose to allow him to adopt us, if you will, Romans 8, Romans chapter 8. There are those that can reject. Now, I don't know. I don't know in, this, in the course of adoption with older children, or even those that were able to make a decision, if they have a right to decide whether they're, they are to be adopted or not, I don't know. But uh, folks, it is our choice whether we're adopted or not. You know, we're not Calvinists. We do not believe that God will save us or adopt us against our will. He chooses to adopt us. He chooses to make us accepted in the beloved as we allow him to. If we will allow him, he will make us his own in Romans 8 and verse 14. The Bible says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit of adoption, the spirit of the fact that you're loved and accepted and wanted by the Lord. The Bible says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And remember this, folks, when God adopts us, when God receives us, we will never, the Bible says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. The adoption's eternal. We belong to the Lord. We are named by God. If you will, as we have talked about in other times and other messages, we are a, a royal priesthood, if you will. We, we belong to the Holy Lord God of heaven, never to be rejected by him. Have a sure inheritance by adoption. Galatians. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And what a blessing to be accepted. You know, I've heard it said among children, maybe able to understand it, the sense that if, if no one comes to adopt them, cares for them, no one wants them. You know, what a sad thing to grow up in a place like an orphanage and no one ever come and ever wants you and ever accept you and take you into their home, into their family. And you know, sometimes it may be based upon the way some child looks or acts or what have you. Understand this, folks. No matter what we look like, no matter how we've acted, God still wants us. God comes looking for, desiring to have us. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning, if you will, in verse 4, 
The Bible says, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God <clears throat> through uh, Christ. Here we find that we are the heirs of God through Christ by adoption. And God sends forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. The moment we're saved by the grace of God, we put our faith and trust in him. God puts his spirit in us to remind us and encourage us and strengthen us that come what may. And folks, there's a lot of crazy things going on in our world today. And it's only going to, in some ways, get worse. Come what may, you belong to God. You are his he cares for you, will take care of you. You know, I appreciate someone who is willing to step up to the plate and adopt a child. That's one thing sometimes to adopt someone who is of your family, but to step up to the plate and adopt someone who is not of any way, shape, or form a relation to you. There were times when, as we've been older, me and my wife talked about adopting other children. And all I could think is, well, I have such little, I have such few hairs left. The thought of doing this again was lunacy. So we just didn't try that. And he said, well, preacher, that's selfish. Amen. Very selfish. You know, the reality was, is I, we prayed about it, considered it. And I never felt that that was what God wanted me to do. If he would have wanted us to do something, I, I would hope I'd be willing to step up to the plate and do it. But I, you know what? I think much of people who are willing to step up and adopt a child or adopt maybe many children in the course of trying to help them. And you know, they love them, they adopt them, and sometimes they adopt children who are not likable, they're not lovable or what have you, but it's amazing what that loving parent can often do for a child. Look with me to Hebrews chapter two. Hebrews chapter two, and I'll tell you something, folks. If you're saved by the grace of God, you're accepted in the beloved because God chose to love you. He wanted you. And folks, you know what? That will change you. That will change you. In Hebrews 2 and 10, the Bible says, For it became him of whom are all things, by whom are all things, and bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. I will, in the midst of the church, will I sing praise unto thee. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I, I and the children which God hath given me. You know, folks, Christ understood the, uh, the idea of adopting children by his sacrifice for them. How does one be accepted in the beloved? First, by adoption into the family of God. Secondly, by his grace through faith in Christ. Looking back to Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1 and 6. <clears throat> it's, if you will, being accepted in the beloved is spoken of as being an adoption into the family of God. Then he says in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. <clears throat> grace is showing showing favor to someone who's not worthy of favor. 
know, folks, when God looked down from heaven, he didn't find anyone worthy of favor, worthy of care, worthy of love. And yet God in his grace said, you know what? I choose to love them. I want them. And you know what? He provided a salvation bought and paid for by his sacrifice for us. You know, we don't have to pay anything for the adoption of God, and nor, nor do we pay anything for the grace of God. Look with me to Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, and beginning in verse 5. <clears throat> in Genesis 6, beginning in verse 5, here we find a difficult time in the history of man. In Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved them in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, what an amazing thing in the midst of all of this vile ungodliness, the, the ungodliness that pushed God to say, you know what, I'm tired of this. I'm going to destroy man from the face of the earth. God, the Bible says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found favor with God. Noah found acceptance with God. Whereas the rest of the world of men did not. Now God offered grace to that world for a hundred years. The Bible speaks of Noah as being a preacher of righteousness, somewhere between 100 and 120 years before God judged this world with a flood, he had Noah preaching that, that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. You know, folks, uh, Noah looked forward to the Christ to come. We look back to the Christ who's come and is coming again. He preached of the grace of God in the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. If you will, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, let's begin in verse 6. Hebrews 11, let's begin in verse 6. The Bible says here, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an art to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know, Noah, Noah, <clears throat> it's an amazing thing that Noah had never seen Christ. And yet Noah knew of Christ. Noah had never seen a flood, but Noah believed God and built an ark because God commanded him to. You know, folks, faith is, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, Noah had never seen Christ, Noah had never seen a flood, but Noah knew there was a God, and God had saved him by his grace and was providing a way of escape from the judgment of God. You know, the Bible teaches that God hath not appointed his children to wrath. You know, one day before the wrath of God comes upon this world, God will take us who are his people out of this world out of this world because of his grace, his favor shown to us by faith in him. In Romans chapter 5, look with me there in verse 1. 
Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace when we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We're justified by faith in what? Faith in Christ Jesus. Faith in Christ Jesus. We have access into the grace of God. Folks, that grace makes us acceptable and accepted of God. Ephesians 2 and 1. Ephesians 2 and 1. Here the Bible says, And you hath he quickened, or made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, talking about eternal life, wherein time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also... We all had our conversation times past and the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace he is saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. Folks, God showed kindness to us through our Lord Jesus Christ, gave us grace, made us accepted and acceptable in his sight, received us to himself. Ephesians 1 and verse 6. To what purpose? To what end? You know, <clears throat> the Lord doesn't do anything without a purpose. There is a purpose in our being accepted in the beloved. If you will, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Folks, you know what it all fo- focuses on? God wanted us. He loved us and wanted us. Folks, not because we were lovable. You know, the longer I'm saved, the more I realize how unlovable I am. Even after being saved for some time, how unlovable I am now. And yet God chose to love me and accept me even as he's done for you if you're saved. Amen. Accepted in the beloved, accepted forever, but to what purpose? 1 John 4. 1 John 4. If you will, look at verse 7. 1 John 4 and 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. In this was manifest the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. You know, <clears throat> how is it that people are going to come to a place where they know 
that they want to be accepted of God. Because, folks, of the love that not only they see we've received, but the love we show to others that have received that same love. You know, <clears throat> love, sometimes love in the, world, the world's definition is a very selfish thing. I want to be loved. When we talk about love in the world, much of it has everything to do about the fact that I want to be loved. God's answered that. Many of the songs that are sung speak of I want to be loved. God's answered the, the need for acceptance, the need for love in his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In God, we can find genuine love and acceptance. And understand this. As we've said before, look at me to John 13. John 13. <clears throat> look at verse 34. Again, the Bible says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have what? Love one to another. Now, I wish I could say that it was all about doctrine. One of the greatest doctrines in the Bible is the love of God. It's the love of God that God has for us and that we should have for one another. You know, <clears throat> we're accepted of God by his love and grace. We're adopted into his family. And you know what he wants us to do? Turn around and share that same kind of love for other people. That means we have to come out of ourselves, step out of ourselves and say, you know what? There's someone, there's someone more important than me. There's someone more important than me. There's someone that needs love and acceptance like God gave me. The purpose to be accepted and the beloved is to help others to come to know that same acceptance. Look at Luke 10. Luke 10. <clears throat> Luke 10. And let's begin in verse 25. <clears throat> And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Luke 10 and 26. And he said unto him, what, uh, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbors thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and live. He read the law, he, he under, well, at least he said he thought himself to have understood it. But verse 29, but he willing to justify himself. Justify what? Justify his behavior toward other people, his lack of love for other people. <clears throat> said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, and remember the, the Jews despised the Samaritans. They were half Jews. They, 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 you know, they were to be rejected. And as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds and pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. 
Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he, he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now, you know, he came not with a genuine heart of wanting to know what it was that God wanted from him. And when the Lord put it right to him, it all revolved around an issue of love. And it was because he was a religious leader that had no love, no mercy, no compassion for anyone. But I'm going to tell you something, folks. If any of us are going to be accepted of God, it's because of God's mercy, his grace, and his love for us. And folks, he's doing this. And what a blessing he does it for us. But he wants to us to show the world around us that God not only loves us, but he wants to love them and does love them. Say, well, how, is that, how are they going to find that out? Well, how we treat each other and how we treat them. And how we treat them. And I'll tell you something, folks. It's hard to love people sometimes. It is. It is hard to love people. You know, someone asked me one time, well, what's the, the most difficult thing of being in the ministry? I said, people. <laughs> well, that's what the ministry's about. People. Amen. It's about people. What's Christianity about? People. Rescue the perishing. Amen? Just as we sang this morning, rescue the perishing. How are we going to rescue them if we can't love them? How are we going to rescue them if we can't love them? You know, sometimes we can be, if we're not careful, we can be a little bit like the Pharisees, like, well, wait a second. Wait a second. Look at what they're doing. Look at the mess that they are. And you know, folks, God doesn't, overlook the mess and accept people, but he's dealt with the mess. And the problem, the source of the mess is sin. He dealt with the issue when he went to the cross of Calvary and died on the cross of Calvary. You know what, folks? To deal with the sin issue in our lives. God loves us, and because of his love, wants us to love others. Romans 15. Romans 15. And verse 1, we then that are <clears throat> strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. You know what he's talking about, though? The word is not found here. The word is here, and it's love. It's love for other people. The story is told of uh, Dr. Carl Menninger. He was a, a noted doctor and psychologist who was working uh, or seeking the cause of many of his patients' ills. And he called together all of his staff one day and sat down and said, you know what, we're going to try something different. He said, from now on, everyone we deal with, every patient and, and every uh, person within this hospital, what have you, that we're trying to help, we're going to treat them, always treat them with love. It needs to be our attitude, our spirit, that we love them, we care for them at every, at every stage of, of their treatment or what have you. There's not to be any attitudes that do not reflect love and care for other people. Well, after about six months or so, you know what they realized? 
they were actually helping and helping people to get uh, to get healed, if you will, quicker and in less time. And you know, folks, they found themselves having less patience to deal with. Now, this this is an actual fact that happened in a, in a, by a doctor, a psychologist. It doesn't necessarily say he was a Christian, but what he found was that showing people and treating them with love has a greater help toward healing them. Look at me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. Let's begin in verses 9 and 10. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. You know, folks, we are to first love God's people and then love others, including those who would make ourselves uh, <clears throat> make themselves our enemies. First Corinthians 13 and 1. First Corinthians 13 and 1. We're talking about being accepted in the beloved. What a blessing it is to be accepted by God. It's another, it's another blessing to be able to help others to be accepted by God. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 1, Paul writes here, Though I speak with the tongue of men and angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity is love, godly love. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. But he says, charity never faileth, meaning that charity is godly love in action. Now, you know what? God doesn't tell us to love them if they love you. He tells us as each individual Christian, you love God, or you love others, and you love God, and don't wait to be loved. You know, sometimes we think, well, I'll love them if they'll be nice to me. Anybody can do that. God loved us before we loved him. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. God commands each one of us to love other people. Before, and you know what, folks? Even if they never love us. Even if they never love us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That will do more toward leading people to Christ than any one thing we do. But that's sometimes for us as Christian people one of the more difficult things. It's easy to love your buddies, your friends at church, or what have you. Even Chloe's lovable at times, amen. But what about those people that upset you, mistreat you, abuse you, and don't love you? God says you love them anyway. You know, folks, that will turn sometimes the tide where nothing else will. Story is told of a great teacher. I guess years ago, John Hopkins University professor 
got together uh, some graduate students, and they were going to do a survey, they were going to do a, a study of 200 children from uh, ages 12 to 16. And so they got together, and they, they found those down in the slum area. They studied their background, and they were going to make a prediction of the future outcome of these children. Well, after studying them, their background, talking to their families and what have you, 200 children ages, as a matter of fact, 200 boys ages 12 to 16, they came to this conclusion in, in, in time to come, everyone, well, not everyone, but 90% of them will spend time in jail. 90% of them. This is a prediction that they made. And so some 25 years later, as they opened, if you will, the records and began to look and, and search out whether there was any truth to the prediction that was made, they went out and they found, tried to find the 200 students that they had been interviewing. Of the 200 students, they found 180 of them. Some had died. Four of them had been in jail. Four, then a few more had left the area. Most of them, 180, were still in the area. And they began to talk to them and interview them again. And they began to realize that, that there was somebody that all of them had in common in their life that made a difference in their life. And as they talked to them and they researched it more, they began to realize that all of this revolved around one teacher, one teacher in their lives. And as they, they finally thought, oh, we've got to locate this teacher, they located her in an old folks' home. And they were sitting down talking to her and all of these kids had the same thing to say. She was a great teacher. She really had a great influence in our lives for good. And she, they were talking to her. She said, I, I, I don't know what I could have done or what I said that could have influenced all of these young people to do, try to do the right thing. And then she stopped and thought about it. She said, but there was something that I tried to make as a... As a a thing that I did with all of my the students that I, I taught. She said, I made it a practice to love them. I made it a practice to love them. You know, folks, there's a great power in love, a power of acceptance and love like no other. And, you know, we may not be able to accept everything people do, but we can try to accept them and try to love them, if you will, to Christ. Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6. <clears throat> I know Paul said at one point as he dealt with the Corinthian believers, said this, the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. And sometimes it's that way. And yet God says to us, Love them anyway. In Luke 7, excuse me, 6 and 27. But I say unto you, but, but I say unto you which hear, love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. Now, that, wouldn't that be hard? You ever been slapped in the face? You know, one of the most irritating and nasty things that I could ever experience was being slapped in the face. I remember that happening a few times in my life, and it just incensed me. And I had a girl do this to me one time. 
She said, you probably deserved it. Well, I don't remember if I deserved it, but she did. I was mad. I was mad. The point being, and uh, <clears throat> smite thee on the one cheek, offer the other also the other. And him that taketh away thy coat, forbid not to take thy coat also. Give to him that asketh of thee, and of him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and you shall be uh, the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. <clears throat> what are we talking about? We're talking about love. And you know what? <clears throat> to what purpose, what greater purpose does God <clears throat> seek to accomplish in accepting us and loving us? It's so that we'll love others and help them to know that God loves them and wants to accept them. Amen. Wants to accept them. <clears throat> but you and I can only do that by the grace of God. The grace of God. We need the help of God to love as God loved. But folks, you know what? We, we can enjoy and revel in the love of God. We ought to. We ought to rejoice that God loves us and loves us with an everlasting love. But let me ask you this. What are we doing toward loving other people? What are you personally? I'm not talking about the person sitting next to you, across from you. I'm talking about what is it that God wants from you? And what are you doing to love other people? You know, it's my natural tendency not to love. It's to be critical and sometimes nasty. I'm not careful. That's my personality. Sometimes I, I, I see things going on, and the first thing I want to do is go off on them and criticize them and not love them. What about you? And not love them. You know, God loved us, accepted us, are we willing to accept others? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.